You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Download past shows and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this week's program. It was a way to to not only grow professionally, but also like the reason why I do it in Camden, not because you want a community, you want to have a sense of place, you want to be able to like feel like the people you work with are friends in some capacity and that everyone kind of cares about each other and wants to make the best work. The documentary film community internationally is like the most embracing, caring community of people. So that's what's probably kept me in it. The sophisticated, smart local audience made me understand why Camden International Film Festival, which I had heard about through my Tribeca and Film Society work, had the reputation that it did, and it exceeded every very high expectation that I had. I heard about this little festival in a tiny town up in up in Maine. Heard about it through a lot of other people in the industry. You know, it, it's it, it just had this incredibly good reputation for screening great work, just being in a beautiful place, being a really amazing experience for filmmakers. Surround yourself with people who keep you really grounded and who really love you no matter what success or failure you have and figure out what stories matter the most to your heart and tell them as loudly as you can. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage. Ted Carter, Inspired Landscapes. And Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 106, airing for the first time on Sunday, September 22nd, 2013. Today we'll be talking about motion pictures. Maine is a hotspot for artists of every possible persuasion. Motion picture makers and actors are the latest in a long line of creative individuals who call our state home. Today on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, get the update on Maine's own Camden International Film Festival from founder Ben Fowley, managing director Carolyn Von Kuhn, and Points North Forum director Sean Flynn, and get a glimpse into the acting life with nationally acclaimed actress-producer Caitlin Fitzgerald, who hails from Camden, Maine. Chariots of Fire, Pretty in Pink, A Christmas Story, Life as a House. Each of us remembers movies that have claimed pivotal moments in our existence. Each of us remembers movies that reflect stages in our lives. The movies I just mentioned reflect specific stages in mine. When I was growing up, long before the era of the DVD, and slightly before personal computing was ubiquitous, movies were a treat. Going to main mall cinemas was a significant field trip for my family of 10, a field trip we typically made in smaller groups. When I finally found myself in the shadow of the big screen, time slowed. No longer did I feel the tension of packing small siblings into our Econoline van. No longer did I hear my parents' admonishments to sit quietly or stop poking one another. Instead, I was fully present, drawn into a story that was simultaneously not my own and exactly my own. When the lights went up, I was a changed human. Our guests on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour this week recognize the impact of motion pictures on the human psyche. Each has made a commitment to the sustainability of this important art form. 
Camden International Film Festival founder Ben Fowley, managing director Carolyn Von Kuhn, and Points North Forum director Sean Flynn are bringing documentary filmmakers to Maine from all over the world. Camden native actress-producer Caitlin Fitzgerald stars in nationally recognized films and television series. Each of them is contributing to the possibility of pivotal moments in the lives of those who watch their films. Each of them understands that life observed is a life made rich. We hope you enjoy our motion picture show today on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. Thank you for listening. enjoy having guests back in the studio who have been in the studio with me before to see not only what has been going on in their lives, but also see what interesting things they continue to do for the state of Maine. Ben Fowley is one of these individuals. He was one of our very early guests on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast. He is the founder and director of the Camden International Film Festival. Um, He previously was on with his friend Jonathan Lawrence, the photographer, but today he is solo. Thank you for coming in and joining us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Ben, this is a busy time of year for you. September 26th to the 29th is the Camden International Film Festival. Um, Lots going on, but it's all kind of new and interesting. I think you're taking things to a whole new level. So talk to me about that. Yeah, um, well, this is the ninth ninth year of the festival, and... um, you know, it's funny, after every every year that we have, we always say, okay, that was great, but let's try to, you know, keep it within scale, like keep it in a place that's manageable for us. That's easy to say in October, November, by the time, you know, we're, we're programming, and at this point, um, things kind of um, always expand, and uh, this year in, in some really exciting ways. So um, still holding strong to, to um, our documentary roots. We're going to be screening about 80 features, excuse me, 80 films, about 35 features and 45 shorts over the course of the weekend. And um, we'll also be, be expanding our conference component, which is a, a part of the program that we call Points North, which was started about five years ago. Um, and some really exciting stuff happening there. We've got a brand new partnership with the New York Times where we'll be doing a, a pitch session uh, basically allowing filmmakers to, to pitch short-form content directly to the New York Times. Uh, the winning project will eventually end up on their OpDocs program, which is a phenomenal website. Uh, I urge everyone to go check out mostly um, culturally re- relevant issues uh, that the Times can kind of create a dialogue around. And then um, kind of playing along that theme, we were, we're always trying to find ways to enhance community, obviously, both locally within the state of Maine, but also within the independent film community at large, whether that's national or international. And that's something that, you know, truthfully, we've struggled as a small organization to figure out how we can expand beyond a four-day event. And um, our our board of directors and myself and our entire staff are, you know, really committed to to spend, uh, use this festival as a catalyst to to engage uh, Maine residents throughout the state over the course of the year to kind of lead up to our 10th anniversary next year. Uh, so one thing that's new is we've started an, an engagement summit, which is probably the most exciting thing for me as, as a programmer of the festival. And the idea is basically to use nonfiction media, documentary film, to engage audiences um, and communities outside of the festival weekend. So we're, we're, each year we'll be specifically taking a topic uh, that will change every year, bringing, bringing people in, thought leaders, uh, nonprofit leaders, professionals from the from the um, you know specific theme 
and engaging uh, them in ways to figure out how we can kind of create a strategic plan to use media to engage community and dialogue. And this year we're focusing on the issue of aging. Obviously, it's a um, hot button topic right now in Maine. Uh, the Portland Press Herald has a wonderful series going on um, every every other Sunday through, the, through their Sunday paper. And um, it's just been a really rewarding experience to be able to team up with a bunch of different businesses and foundations to further enhance the dialogue that they've already started. Obviously, we're we're new to um, the healthcare world, but we're also uh, we also understand that that there's a wonderful way to engage audiences through the films that we screen. So, aging will play a big part of the the thematic aspect of the films this year. How is it that? films, and specifically documentary films, um, have something additional to offer when telling a story over just a straightforward newspaper article? Mm. That's a good question, and I think that's probably what draws me to to documentary in general. Um, I think it's the... um, the intimacy, the emotional connection that you can have with when you're when you're really watching someone's story unfold over the course of sixty minutes or ninety minutes or fifteen minutes. It doesn't really matter the length. It's just like the connection that um, you know film is you know, at its at its you know purest form supposed to kind of take you away from everything that you're experiencing and just kind of let you you know get inside the story. And I think the documentary, especially now, that's what that's what's so great about the form. That there are there's a number of different techniques to draw the the, the viewer in. Um, so this year, obviously, we have films with uh, filmmakers documenting the you know the the rapid decline of their mother who has Alzheimer's. I mean that emotional story, uh, you know, story about a mother, you know, told by their son. That's that's something that is just um, hard to sometimes pick up on in, in a written piece. Uh, we have a film from Denmark, three women who are in hospice, the last that follows the last 14 days of their lives individually. Um, that is obviously very intense at moments, but the the intimacy that the filmmaker has with the families that surround these these patients and the doctors, uh, and watching the women come to terms with the fact that you know they probably won't be leaving this space is just. Um, you know, at one point heartbreaking, but at another point really forces you to, to, to consider the, the, the weight of these questions. And so hopefully uh, that's what we'll be able to do with the summit, just kind of increase dialogue and, and get it to be more of a, an open conversation as opposed to, um, you know, kind of closed, you know, things that families might not want to talk about because it's, it's challenging. And um, we're specifically, you know, I think it's a great time of year, honestly, because if we can if we can start these conversations and then, you know, expand them through screenings in Portland and, and Orono, um, Ellsworth, you know, the conversations will be happening over the holidays, which which is a time when obviously families gather and, and you know, should be having these conversations. So, I think I read on your website that um, the Camden International Film Festival is one of the top 25 small film festivals. I don't know if this is national or international, but that's that's quite an honor. Why is it that your film festival, specifically out of Camden, Maine, is of such great interest and such high quality? Uh, yeah, it's you know lists are funny things um, in a lot of ways. We love we love when we get on a list. Uh, that list was done by a bunch of um, probably f- I'd say fifty industry leaders or whatnot. Um, so distributors, funders, broadcasters, and filmmakers, and it was just basically uh, a way to gauge. The impact festivals can have on the professional track of track of filmmakers, and I think you know why we've been getting 
the recognition that we have, which is phenomenal. I mean, if you had asked me five years ago, would we be at this place? Um, you know, would we be at the level we are at, given this the size of our community? I would probably say it would be challenging. But um, I'm starting to rethink that over the past couple of years, realizing that the actual, you know, the intimacy of the community is our strongest suit. So the fact that when you're in communities like uh, Camden and Rockland and Rockport, um, just as an example, because that's where we take place, um, it would be the same in Portland, it would be the same in, in, in you know, in many of the communities in Maine. You, there's just such this way that kind of takes people out of their daily existence and out of their New York, you know, um, exhausting life or LA or whatnot. Um, so when they're here, they're able to kind of interact with with not only a real local audience in a um, in a meaningful way, but also with with you know fellow filmmakers or fellow industry members. So the idea is hopefully that it's a much more relaxed way to 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 grow your professional network and to to walk away with hopefully friendships or you know stronger stronger relationships than just, I mean we all go you go to a conference or whatever it is whatever you know whatever specific conference or maybe you come back with 10 or 15 business cards and you maybe write to one person and you know maybe you have like a, a email exchange that lasts two emails and then that kind of falls off and uh for me i i prefer events that you actually have a little bit of time maybe um to to really connect with people so at camden it, you know just by by default of it being such a small space if you run into someone at a screening chances are you're going to see them at the coffee shop the next day or at one of the amazing restaurants at night. So you're just kind of forced to interact and engage in ways that, um, you know, if you go to larger festivals, you might see someone once, or you may not they may be there and you may never see them. So um, the other thing I think that's really helped us out is we've really made a conscious effort to, to try and become like a launching pad for filmmakers who are emerging in the field. Um, obviously there's, there's a lot of wonderful film festivals that are top tier, Sundance, IDFA, Berlin, um, Toronto, and, um, those outlets are really great for filmmakers who are established and, and, um, you know, obviously, uh, have, have made quality films in the past. And, and if we can play a small role in really helping finding newer voices in the form so that they can kind of get you know, this kind of training wheels mentality, come to a festival, understand what it's like to interact with industry, to screen your work. Uh, hopefully, uh, several of those people will go on to make more work and, and, uh, and you know, premiere Berlin or Toronto or Telluride. So. You've been doing this now. This is the ninth film festival. Um, this is, you know, essentially you're, you're heading into a decade's worth of your life, which for people who can't see you, they don't know that you're, you're a young guy. I mean, this is a big chunk of the entire time you've been on this planet, and yet it's something that you remain passionately invested in. How do you maintain that level of interest, and why is it so important to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I keep, I, I always joke around, I'm like, wow, if I'd just gone for that master's degree or something like that. And I think that this is like, truthfully, I look at this experience as like as an educational experience for me as well. Um, I mean, I... I started the project when I had been to a few film festivals in my entire life. I hadn't really, I'd interned or whatnot. And um, I think it was, it was an opportunity to kind of buck the trend of 
going to LA and interning for somebody else or, you know, just the, the typical route. And this just seemed like an atypical route that may, may end up going somewhere maybe quicker or <laughs> ending up at a place I would want to be. Um, and, you know, probably three or four years in, uh, when you have all those kind of like, geez, where's this going? How do you make it sustainable? Why am I doing this? You know, like what's, what's the, what's the, what's the point of this whole thing? Especially when I was at that age where, you know, I think a lot of people in their late twenties are trying to figure out what the actual, what a sustainable you know path looks like professionally and how to pay the bills and all that stuff. Um, I had a meeting with someone that works in, in distribution and in independent documentaries. And, and they said, you know, you're part of this cycle now. Like, you, you can't just remove yourself. And, and, and that was probably a really uh, overly inflated thing to say at that point because I'm sure if we had, you know, not continued that the industry wouldn't crumble. Um, but that I had kind of, like, carved out this, you know, niche as a programmer that, that is really supportive of independent documentary. There's not many people out there that do, do you know, that are so focused on a specific theme or genre of film. Um and, you know, that was kind of exciting, I think. I think that there was an embrace from other programmers who who are invested in this, you know, in documentary as, as invested as I am. And um, it's a small community. So it just seemed like it was a way to to not only, you know, grow professionally, but also like the reason why I do it in Camden, not because you want a community, you want to have a sense of place, you want to be able to like feel like the people you work with are friends in some capacity and that everyone kind of cares about each other and wants to make the best work and is not vengeful or is not whatever. And the doc community, I, I can't speak on film industry, you know, in general, but I can, I can only speak, say that the documentary film community internationally is like the most embracing, um, you know, caring community of people so it's it's that's what's probably kept me in it um and uh you know then just the excitement of of being able to put together a program that has really no strings attached uh we don't really have um you know a certain sponsor we have to you know uh, adhere to for programming and there, there are festivals out there that are owned by one company and um it's been a beauty of being able to just kind of screen what we want to screen, build a build an audience in Maine that that appreciates, you know, sometimes challenging work, sometimes experimental work, sometimes straightforward work, but um, you know, just building an audience that really cares about the event and also about about this this art form. We'll return to our program in a moment. On the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast, we've long understood the important link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the subject is Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. What do your genes have to do with your relationship with money? Today I met with a couple who just got back their genetic testing. Turns out one of them has the worry gene. Without going into the science, this means that she has the biochemistry that leads to a tendency to worry. But her relationship with money is not based on feelings, as you might expect. She has learned to cope and is motivated based on taking the feeling out of her money decisions. A plan, a list, a recipe, these things work better for her because it allows her to consciously choose to turn off a gene that wants to turn on naturally. Understanding who you are in relationship to money can be empowering in its ability to not just allow you to communicate with yourself, but also with others. 
If you need help assessing what your relationship with money is, send us an email to info at shepherdfinancialmain.com and we'll help you evolve with your money. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled. You need attention, advice, and individualized care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. I have the sense that you aren't intimidated by things that you don't know or that might seem unreachable to other people. I mean, when you look at the sponsor list every year, it is more impressive. Um, You have this affiliation with the New York Times. I mean, you're talking about really an international community. I don't have the sense that you have sort of a small town Maine mentality, but you grew up in a small town Mm -hmm. in Maine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's that's the amazing thing about you know, I mean, I had to have had in somewhere in, in the back of my mind, I must have realized that doing something within the community, um, especially the community that knows knows me so well. So my dad owns a convenience store in Camden. He's owned it for 30, I'm 32. He's owned it for 32 years. Before that, he was involved in, in um, state politics. So I grew up with, you know, with George Mitchell, Senator Mitchell, just kind of my idol. <laughs> I think he was at my seventh birthday. Um, and... Uh, and on my mother's side, um, they her father owned the, the original Five and Dime in Camden, so both both families kind of had a you know had businesses in the in town. So just working at my father's store, um, I got to meet a lot of people, putting the Sunday papers together and whatnot. And um, you know, it just became one of those things that you realize the, there's a wonderful community of people that. Like myself, love to live in in Camden and, and 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 Maine in general, but also want to feel connected to everything else that's going on. And and I think that that line is just getting blurrier and blurrier as as you know as as time goes on. I mean, I think that maybe ten years ago, it might have felt a little bit more isolated. Now I feel like everyone I know is is traveling and and uh, you know maybe working in New York half the time or whatnot. Um, so. It, I think that the audience was there, you know, really um, for me to kind of try and expand into what what a, a real international festival could look like. And obviously the success of Camden Conference and Pop Tech locally um, proves that. So it just seemed like one of the things that, you know, when I, after the festival got a little bit more uh, stable over, you know, after the fifth year, maybe four or five years ago, it was like, well, how, how big can we make this then? If, you know, the sky's the limit at this point. People love coming here. The local audiences are really enjoying it. We've got great, you know, partnerships with the educational systems, with Unity, the University of Maine. Like, there's an impact we're making here with students and also with local communities. Now how can we just, you know, get Camden on the radar of everyone working in independent documentary film? 
Um, and that's just taken a little bit of time, but we've managed to just, I think, honestly, just grow just enough organically, never pushing too much, you know, um, so that we could, we run into trouble in the sense of keeping our, the, the program at sustainable or keeping it at a level that um, is unmanageable. So uh, I think that's been, and then it probably went to some of the best advice I could ever give anyone is if they're working in, in anything, uh, really, it's just not overwhelming yourself too much, just really, you know, letting, letting your business or your event or whatever it may be kind of, you know, form itself over time. And um, probably the reason why we're around here is because of that mentality. Uh, but, you know, we, we're, we're not shy in saying, I think, that we, we do want to be, you know, recognized as one of the, one of the top, top talk fests in North America and, um, and then internationally, for sure. It's definitely a major goal of ours. People know that Camden, Rockport, Rockland um, is sort of a, an interesting sort of nidus of energy for artists in general. We have the CMCA, we have the Farnsworth Art Museum. Um, this is documentary filmmaking. We've had artists and writers in Maine for generations, but filmmaking is relatively new to the game. How have your fellow artists in the community, including um, the Maine Media Workshops, which is only really 40 years old, how have they accepted and integrated your um, the work you're doing with mm-hmm. documentary films. We've had a good, um, a really good relationship with Farnsworth and Main Media Workshops since the start. Truthfully, I mean, I think we realized early on that the, the cultural institutions that have been around there for 40 years, 65. I think Farnsworth is 65 this year. Um, Bay Chamber, they're you know. Um, aligning ourselves in any way we can, obviously, uh, or partnering in some kind of some kind of way, is is beneficial to to the, our you know long term growth. Um, uh, obviously, there's a there's an obvious tie in with with the main media workshops, but I think it's been nice because they're. I think they, you know, we've been able to collaborate in the sense of some of the interactive, the the new ways of storytelling that we're bringing in is is attractive to them and, and what they're trying to develop throughout, throughout their film program as we speak. Um, and it's really engaging a new, a brand new audience of filmmakers that come to the festival to what they're doing at the workshops. Um, you know, the funny thing is we have probably four or five filmmakers that are coming to the festival this year that conceived of their project actually at the workshops, you know, three, four, five years ago. Um, so we're trying to highlight that as well because I think that it's important to note that probably the workshops was involved with a lot of the projects or the people that we're screening now um, before they made it, before they, you know, before they had hit the big time or whatever it is. So um, I don't know if I really answered your question. Sorry, I get a little sidetracked. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, obviously this, this kind of partnership mentality is, is – um, has worked well for us, and, and, and thankfully, there's just so much great programming going on, especially with Bay Chamber and Manuel, the new artistic director there, um, that it's allowed us to kind of, you know, find ways that, that seem to just work, you know, for us thematically, and we're not really, there's never any kind of like, well, we got to twist this to make it work for this and whatnot at all, you know. Um, I think the Midcoast area has always wanted kind of like this, like a college, you know, if I'm sure you've heard about that. And I think that, you know, what they do have is this just wonderful kind of collection of cultural organizations and institutions that hold these events and stuff. So throughout the year, there's there's always something going on um, that engages you in, in really, really exciting ways. 
if I'm out in the community and I'm not necessarily someone who um, knows that much about documentary filmmaking, but I'm kind of interested in coming to the Camden International Film Festival, what are some things that might entice me to make the drive up there? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good good question. Um, I mean, what we always try and say is that it's um, it's still a festival, you know. I mean, documentary films may not be what gets you excited when you get out of bed, but I guarantee you, what, what the greatest thing about, I think, our organization that I've seen over the past few years is that it is so inclusive. It's, you know for $10 you can go see a movie and if that's you what how you want to go into the and be a part of the festival that's great you know we have past structures whatever you know, that you know that allow you get in get into the films and then the parties or whatnot but we've really always made an effort to keep you know keep it an event that is going to you know and this goes in with programming as well is going to incorporate as many different um, factions of the community as, as we can um, and that's just something that um, I think you know we're committed to, and and will continue to be committed to. But um, you know we're holding venues in three different communities this year: Camden, Rockport. This year is new in Rockland. Um, so really, just trying to expand our our blueprint. Um, but getting back to the question, uh, I think that you know come see a film, come see two films. But it's it's a beautiful weekend on the coast. There's a number of wonderful restaurants several of which just opened up, like Anne-Marie's new saltwater farm at Union Hall. Um, we're trying to program our, our schedule so that there are, you know, as a visitor, you can just dip in to the festival as much or as low as you want, but also get the experience of, of you know, whether it's outdoor activities or, you know, the food scene up there, which is incredible. Um, you know, there's, there's documentary is just one way to pull you in, hopefully. And... Um, for people that like to, you know, have a good time, we do. Uh, we have some really unique uh, venues for party spots, which I think are exciting because we totally transform these spaces that no one ever goes to. I mean, half the venues we use are just abandoned, you know, throughout the year. So there's always this excitement, I think, of what what's going to happen, you know. And most of the people that come actually, you know you see in the, in the lines over and over and over again, or you'll see at three screenings in a party. And, um, you know, I always judge the, the, the quality of the festival with how many people afterwards said, Oh, it's such a good time. I, you know, I just was so run down on Monday. I had to take the day off from work or whatever it is. And to me, that's like, that's a good buy-in, you know, people, um, it is this consuming thing because I think that you're, you're constantly connecting with community and meeting with people, um, in a different way. So, and what's the website for the Camden International Film Festival? Uh, it's www.camdenfilmfest.org. And you can find information there about passes, which we're actually running an early bird special through the end of this. Oh, actually, this will be a broadcast. But, um, and our program should be up there as well. And um, any other information should be able to be found there. Our Facebook page you can get from there as well, which is probably the most uh, up-to-date information on the uh, on the event. We've been speaking with Ben Fowley again. Thank you for coming back in again for a second time to sit with us. Uh, ben is the founder and director of the Camden International Film Festival, now in its ninth year. Congratulations, and I know that you're going to have many more. Thank you so much, Lisa. Always fun to be here. We on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast 
hope that our listeners enjoy their own work lives to the same extent we do and fully embrace every day. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. A good movie can really take you places. A few hours of escape that can make you laugh, cry, scream, or just leave you wondering. From where I sit, it's not that different when you dig into your financials. Looking at the numbers and projections can make you laugh, but the worst is when they make you cry. But if you have a solid financial plan in place, think of it as your script. Then, the movie of your successful business will be a box office hit. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. BoothMaine.com This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Using recycled sails collected from sailors and sailing communities around the world, Seabags designs and manufactures bags, totes, and accessories in Maine on Portland's working waterfront. From the best-selling classic Navy Anchor Tote to fresh new designs, Seabags offers retired sails another life by turning them into handmade, one-of-a-kind nautical-inspired pieces. Please visit the Seabags store in Portland or Freeport or go to www.seabags.com to browse their unique collection. One of our original Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast shows was about the Camden International Film Festival. We're now 106 episodes in, and we've brought the Camden International Film Festival back to talk to us about what's been happening recently. Today in the studio, we have with us Caroline Von Kuhn, who is the managing director of the Camden International Film Festival, and also Sean Flynn, who is the director of the Points North Forum. Thanks for coming in and being with us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Now, these are impressive titles. I hope I got them correct. <laughs> I know this is a big part of what you've been working on these days. Um, yeah, always this, you know, this time of year, I think, is when we really start kicking into high gear. Uh, our big program announcements are coming sometime next week. And then, you know, once that's kind of, once that programming part of, of our job is, is done, then it's really just about following through and making the event happen. So. Um, so yeah, a lot of anticipation in the audience, in the in the in the office, I should say. Yeah. Ben and Sean are locking the the final program. Um, Sean working on the the Points North Forum, which brings Points North Documentary Forum, which brings six filmmakers to come pitch their idea of a film, their work in progress film, in front of um, really high caliber industry that we bring in from New York and L. A. Who kind of beg to return to Camden each year. They fall in love with the festival. They fall in love with Maine, the experience of it. Um, so in the next two weeks, they're kind of locking the final, Ben's locking the films that are playing. And it's an, it's an exciting time. So it all kind of comes together. And then we just get it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so why Maine? This is, I mean, there's lots of film festivals out there. And I know, Sean, you are from Massachusetts. <laughs> Caroline, um, from what I understand, you're from a lot of different places. <laughs> Moved a while. But you came to Maine. What's the draw? Um, I mean, for me, you know, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, so I, I've always had a little bit of a connection to, to Maine and New England generally. I, I spent a lot of summers camping and hiking up here. But um, 
when I, uh, you know, I, I, in my 20s, I got into producing documentaries and I was working for a production company out of Boston called Principal Pictures and, um, you know, started to make feature length films and, and tour them around to festivals. The first film I worked on premiered at Tribeca Film Festival and went on to screen in a lot of different venues. So kind of opened me up to this whole world of film festivals generally. And um, at some point, it was actually after that film kind of had its run, I heard about this this little festival in a tiny town up in up in Maine, and um, heard about it through a lot of other people in the industry. You know, it, it's it, it just had this incredibly good reputation for screening great work, just being in a beautiful place, being a really amazing experience for filmmakers. And um, it wasn't too long after that, actually, that I just kind of met Ben by chance uh, through some mutual friends of ours um, who are also Maine-based filmmakers. And um, yeah, and then it was, you know, so, so for a while I was just kind of, um, Ben and I struck up a friendship and, and um, he was living in Somerville at the time, um, pretty much down the street from where I was. And, uh, and then eventually there came an opportunity, I was kind of transitioning out of my job in this production company. And um, around the same time, they were looking for somebody to head up the, the forum aspect of the, of the festival. And um, it was kind of an ideal fit, and I just jumped right into it. And that was um, a little over two years ago. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, my, my kind of relationship has, with Maine has really deepened through working for the festival. And each summer I've been coming up more and more and spending more time here, getting to know the community more. Um, and it's really, um, you know, having been to a lot of festivals around the, around the world, um, it's it's an ideal location in a lot of ways um, for the filmmakers and for us as festival organizers. The community is so incredibly supportive. It's just such a spectacularly beautiful place. Um, you know, you've got great venues, you've got great culture that kind of surrounds the festival. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, in some ways, I think our our jobs are easy compared to a lot of festival programmers because we have such great resources at our disposal. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I really fell in love with the area, you know, much more so in the last few years. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've said this in other interviews, I think um, it, the festival would not have reached kind of the heights and that, that kind of reputation that, it, that it's um, acquired in the film industry if it wasn't for the support of the community and, and just, you know, the area itself, so. I strongly agree with that. I was, um, my day job was with the Tribeca Film Festival and I was assistant directing theater on the side and I did a production of Ibsen's Hedda Gabler where Caitlin Fitzgerald, who's from Camden, played Hedda. We kind of hit it off as actor-director and um, I went to the Middle East to produce for Tribeca in, in Doha, in Doha, Qatar. And when I came back, Caitlin had dinner with about, there were six women who had all worked together and said, let's make a movie and let's make, make a movie in Maine. And, and I said, no, that's, I'm a theater person. I don't want to make film. I just want to serve film. And then I had two more drinks and agreed to <laughs> make a film with her. And what started off, we just wanted to teach ourselves filmmaking and we knew that we would do it in Maine. And I knew of Camden because my mother had studied um, at the Maine photographic workshops at the time, now Maine um, media workshops. Um, and so I, so I knew the area just through that and having visited. Um, but when we would set out to be just a small short film where we taught ourselves this craft, which we knew from other areas, not as director writers, um, stepping coming to Camden and the the generous, smart community that 
really allowed us to make a film and for it to evolve into this feature film that it did was, I could not have directed my first feature anywhere else. Um, also just the cinematic beauty that was at our disposal, I would have to mess up pretty badly <laughs> to <laughs> at least not have a beautiful film if nothing else. Um, and just, yeah, the, the sophisticated, smart local audience made me understand why Camden International Film Festival, which I had heard about through my Tribeca and Film Society work, um, had the reputation that it did. And the spring, when I was at Tribeca, before I came up here, when producers and distributors would ask, oh, what are you doing after the festival? And I very sheepishly, because I was very naive and not qualified to say I was making a film, <laughs> would say, oh, I'm making a film in Maine. And they'd say, you must meet Ben Fowley. You have to know about Sif. And his reputation grew infinitely and then when I came up the next year to attend the festival as, as an audience member and to really experience the Points North Documentary Forum, it exceeded every very high expectation that I had. So I feel lucky to be able to, to join Ben and, and Sean in that. Caroline, how can people find out about the um, about engagement, about the Points North Forum, about the Camden International Film Festival in its entirety? Uh, yeah, please visit our website at camdenfilmfest.org. Um, you can find all the, the lineup of films and all the industry delegates who are coming. And we have really exciting panels going on this year, really exciting conversations with, with leaders coming from all over. Um, and get your passes and, and come join us next weekend. Well, it's been a pleasure to speak with the two of you, um, esteemed managing director of the Camden International Film Festival, Caroline Von Kuhn, and also Sean Flynn, director of the Points North Forum with the Camden International Film Festival. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much. The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter-inspired landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter. When one enters a nature preserve or a secluded wooded area, we often think that we are the observer. Have you ever thought that upon entering such a space that we are in fact the observed? A thousand eyes are looking upon us. We can choose to see the natural world through hard eyes or soft eyes. Hard eyes make us separate from nature and also from other people. Soft eyes connect us to nature and to people around us. We welcome and observe the world around us with a sense of awe. Through this vision, it is as if we are seeing the world around us for the very first time. It is a fresh and new look. I think that in landscaping, in working with land and landscape, one of the things I really try to do is have a great deep reverence and respect for the natural world. And I try to bring that journey to my clients as we work together in designing and creating their landscape. I'm Ted Carter, and if you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at tedcarterdesign.com. We'll return to our program after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine. At Orthopedic Specialists, Ultrasound technology is taken to the highest degree. With state-of-the-art ultrasound equipment, small areas of tendonitis, muscle and ligament tears, instability and arthritic conditions can be easily found during examination. For more information, visit orthocareme.com or call 207-781-9077. We at the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour know that our listeners understand the importance of 
the health of the mind, body, and spirit. Here to talk about the health of the body are Travis Boyer and Jim Graderix, a premier sports health, a division of Black Bear Medical. Jim, you pull those socks up any higher, and I'm pretty sure I'm not hanging out with you anymore. Travis, they're compression socks, you know, like the medical ones, only they're for athletes. Oh, so now you're calling yourself an athlete. This keeps getting better. Well, they actually work. They increase blood flow in your legs by as much as 40%, and you know what that does. Hmm, let me guess. Allows you to leap tall buildings in a single bound? No, they allow more oxygen and nutrient-rich blood to my muscles, which reduces muscle fatigue and allows me to train harder. Plus, I'm not as sore after those long runs, and they also flush out lactic acid and keep my feet cool and dry. And of course, they're stylish. Jim, I'm actually wearing some right now. I wear them every day even when I'm not training. I notice a huge difference in how my legs feel. But Jim? Yes, Travis? I actually am wearing pants over mine since we are in the office. Hey, pays to advertise. I suppose it would. Maybe you ought to promise the listeners that if they stop down to our store on 275 Marginal Way in Portland, they can see firsthand what an athlete in his compression apparel looks like. Or they could visit blackbearmedical.com and read up a little more. Hey, that's a great idea. Come by 275 Marginal Way location today or visit us at blackbearmedical.com and see our entire line of compression apparel and other sports medicine equipment. Life can be a bear. Attack it with Black Bear Medical. Many little girls, when they're growing up, think to themselves, I think I'd like to be an actress. The individual who's sitting across the microphone from me today actually went ahead and became an actress, and in fact, a nationally and internationally known actress. This is Caitlin Fitzgerald, who is an actor, actress, and a writer, and a filmmaker, who is from Camden, Maine, originally. So thank you for coming in and spending time with us. My pleasure. I must say, when I knew you were coming on the show, I went back and I looked at all the various things that you've been in. I think my 17-year-old is going to be very impressed because, of course, you have the Gossip Girl connection. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I'm also astounded by the range of things that you've worked on. Um, Masters of Sex, it hasn't even come out yet on Showtime, but that's an interesting and ambitious project. It is an interesting and ambitious project. Yeah, we're very excited and hopeful. As you say, um, it comes out the 29th of September. Um, and it. my hope actually is that it's sort of controversial because I think it's... Um, I think it's an interesting and hopefully stimulating in more than one way topic that will get people talking and um, conversing about this subject. Masters of Sex is about uh, Masters and Johnson. Mm -hmm. They were the individuals who originally did the sex studies way back when. Indeed. Um, And you play... Mrs. Masters. Mrs. Masters. Yes. Which is interesting because Masters and Johnson... They eventually got together. They did. They did. Um, they had a long-standing affair, um, and actually, one of the stipulations for Masters hiring Johnson um, as his partner in the work was that she sleep with him as part of the science experiment, of course. Um, so, and and historically, uh, my character's name is Libby Masters. Became very close friends with Virginia Johnson. So there was this strange kind of love triangle that formed between the three of them. The work that you do, from what I can tell, is very relationship-based. <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. 
Yeah. Well, I was watching Newlyweds yesterday, and it's funny because I had just watched it not too long ago before I knew who you were, and then I said, oh, I'm going to go watch this, and oh, I just watched this. So that's that was an interesting commentary on relationships and what it means to be in a long-term relationship. And well, first of all, tell us a little bit about Newlyweds and, and tell us how this has impacted you as an individual. You know, Newlyweds is one of those movies, we made it for, you know, 10,000, we shot it for $10,000 and it was sort of it, bare bones crew. It was um, mostly me and Ed Burns and our DP and a sound guy who also was a producer in, you know, and we'd sort of get together. We shot it over the course of three months whenever we had free time and we would, we shot it around Tribeca in, you know, restaurants and in friends' apartments and it felt so kind of intimate when we were shooting it and it's Eddie had a script but we he would also let us improvise and and it was kind of developed as we went along he sort of wrote it as we went depending on what we'd found um, when we were shooting so it it has to me a really natural and authentic feel about it and I think and people um, come up to me all the time and say that they've seen it and they love it and I think part of it is it feels it's it's the first conversation in the film is about how I think Either my character, Eddie, says, you know, if I've I read once that if you don't turn over and look at your partner at least once a month and think, who are you? I've made a terrible mistake. There's actually something wrong with a, your relationship. And I think most movies portray relationships as being these fairy tales. And what's interesting about Newlyweds is we start where most movies end, which is right after the wedding, right? And so it's kind of like how it actually goes. Yeah, and there's a messiness to it. Totally. I mean, you have the his half-sister who has her romantic issues, comes back to New York, finds out that her former lover is now married with a child on the way. Mm-hmm. Then you have your sister, and she's going through a divorce from her husband of, like, 19 years, something mm-hmm. like that. So it's, it is. It's just the messiness and people moving in and out of the apartment that you're sharing. Indeed, yeah. And that when you marry someone, you you kind of, they come with a lot of baggage and how do you negotiate that and how does it um, affect your interaction with your partner? Something we don't talk about very much in movies, I think. You've had the chance to um, work with relationships of a different sort and more specifically um, the friendship relationship. Most recently you co-wrote and starred in a film called Like the Water and it had everything to do with um, a friendship you had with Sabrina Selig who died not too long ago but at a fairly young age and in a fairly tragic way. Um, You're young to have had to deal with that sort of thing. Talk to me a little bit about that situation. Uh, Sabrina died I think four weeks uh, shy of her 23rd birthday and we'd been friends since we were 11 and 12 and I think the experience of losing someone um, your especially your contemporary when you're that young for me it felt like a veil had kind of been lifted on what the world really was I'd been living in a place of naivete whereby we all got to live forever and um, and certainly Sabrina for me was one of those people that I just it was so assumed that I would know her my whole life so it um, it was incredibly disruptive to my sense of reality. <laughs> and um, a few years after her death, I was um, having a dinner with a group of friends and we were talking about collaborating on something and decided we wanted to make a movie in Maine. 
in my hometown of Camden. And um, Caroline von Kuhn, my co-writer, and I started talking, and she had similarly lost a friend, a best friend, at a young age. And we decided that it was a unique enough experience that it could be interesting to write about that. And, and also that um, female friendships don't often get explored um, in cinema and that it, it feels like a big gap for me. We have a lot of male buddy films, but not a whole lot about how meaningful those female relationships are, especially when you're growing up and discovering who you are. And certainly Sabrina is, you know, kind of knit into my DNA in this way. Um, so yeah, and it seemed very appropriate to shoot it in Maine in sort of locations where we'd, we shot at the, um, at the elementary school where we met and we shot, you know, all over my hometown and um, it couldn't have been more perfect in that way. Do you think that this film has helped you heal in some way? I think one of the most, the, one of the biggest gifts of being an artist is that you get to use the traumas <laughs> that happen to you and, and the triumphs that happen to you. Um, you have a place to put them, I guess, into the world. You can make something out of them instead of just holding them. And, you know, I will miss Sabrina forever. I will write about her forever. But it's it was nice to be able to think about her and honor her and make something that I could hold in my hands about her. This is an interesting birthday year, I think, for you. <laughs> it is, indeed. <laughs> and I won't say what birthday it is. But I'm, I'm not ashamed. I am turning 30. <clears throat> well, I'm remembering when I was turning 30, and I didn't think it would hit me as, and this was a little while ago, but I didn't think it would hit me the way as hard as it did. And I wasn't ashamed of it, yeah. but it just felt like a very big dividing line between sort of, I knew I wasn't in childhood anymore because yeah. by that time I had some children mm. and I was a doctor, but it, it, there felt like some something that I was crossing over. Yeah, Does totally. It feel that way to you? Yeah, I, you know, um, I had a boyfriend in my mid-20s who was a few years older than me, and we had this ongoing joke that when you turned 30, suddenly life was easy, and you felt really relaxed about everything, and you had everything in perspective, and um, I think that's obviously not entirely true, but I do think there is a certain amount, you're all laughing, um, <laughs> oh dear, I do think there is something, and I can feel it actually in this transitional Saturn Returns kind of moment of... Um, you know, your 20s are hard and you go through a huge growth, at least I did, <laughs> that is often uncomfortable. You make a lot of mistakes and, um, and, and I'm excited to, I think, I hope that my 30s are a time of kind of reaping the benefits of all that education. I know it's not easy to be an actress. True. I think that's probably True. an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something that requires a lot. It requires the ability to be rejected, I assume. Yeah. I mean, I assume that you've had some rejections. I don't... Lots and lots and lots and lots of rejection. Yeah. So how do you keep showing up and saying, you know what, I'm really passionate about this. I really still want to be an actress, and I know what it that I have what it takes. Well, I mean, I say I've had lots of re rejection, but I've also had enough success to stay in the game and to feel like I'm in the right kind of place. I think also, um, and I would recommend this for every actor out there, that making your own work um, is vital and sort of 
puts the the agency of your life back in your own hands in a way. So you're not turning all over all your power to other people's whims. Um, and, you know, you find your communities. And I have, I'm part of a theater company in New York. Uh, and they're really wonderful. And I do stuff with them. And, um, you know, you find, you find your ways of, you find your people who can reflect back to you that you are, in fact, an artist and good at what you do, even when it gets hard. Caitlin, how can people find out about the work that you've done, not only the feature that you created, um, Like the Water, but also Masters of Sex and all the other Gossip Girls, Newlyweds, all the other movies that you've been in? Um, Well, you can go to my IMDb page, which has all of my work. Um, Like the Water, you can find uh, on a website called Seed and Spark, that is a distribution and fundraising platform for indie film that our producer actually launched following um, our movie, and it's doing very well. It's very exciting. Uh, and Masters of Sex airs um, 10 p.m. on the 29th of September on Showtime, following Homeland. We started this interview by saying many little girls dream of being an actress. Not everybody, not every little girl becomes one. What advice do you have for little girls out there in Maine who are thinking this might be in their future? Um, surround yourself with people who keep you really grounded and who really love you no matter what success or failure you have Um, and figure out what stories matter the most to your heart and tell them as loudly as you can. We've been speaking with Caitlin Fitzgerald, actress, writer, and um, native of Camden, Maine. We really appreciate your coming in and spending time with us today, Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 106, Motion Pictures. Our guests have included Ben Fowley, Caitlin Fitzgerald, Carolyn Von Kuhn, and Sean Flynn. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit doctorlisa.org. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and Pinterest, and read my take on health and well-being on the Bountiful blog. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and podcast to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our motion pictures show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine. Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine. Apothecary by Design. Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street in Portland, Maine. Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Leanne Wiemet. Become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page.
for details. Summaries of all our past shows can be found at doctorlisa.org.